And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am joined alongside the lovely and talented Miss E. Hi there. Who is fresh, fresh from her piano lesson this week. Yes, I'm taking on adults... Uh, piano lesson. It's a group class, but the nice thing is that there are only four people in the group. That is nice. And I'm probably not the oldest. I'm like probably the second to youngest. <laughs> oh, I'm always really bad with old ladies too, because all old ladies look old to me. Yeah. They could probably be my age, but they look like little old white ladies. I get so, it. Yeah, I get it. I do. So this is what week five? Are you about halfway through now? I guess so, because we didn't have. It was a twelve week minus the one. Last week, because last week was considered spring break. Okay. So this is either four or five. I started on January the 30th. And and do you feel like you've been making progress at all? Oh, yeah. I can definitely read the music, and I'm, God, I'm like, okay, that's an F, that's an A, that's a C. And I'm, I'm starting to connect the, the, the dots on the paper to the keys on the keyboard. I do it better at home because we have stickers all over them, which have all the letters on them, and I'm taking them all off now because I feel like I'm, they're not helping. They're more of a... Uh, an impediment to pr- progress when I have, when I keep looking down and I'm like oh I can find the number if I just look for the letter of course you can find the key you gotta keep it in your head right so I'm taking them all off except for the C's for now I'll leave on a pair of training wheels <laughs> good for you well it has been a, uh, a fairly quiet week uh, here on the farm we have not uh, seen any baby goats arrive nope. unfortunately so uh, no news our, our chickens are all doing okay everybody seems to have settled in we had we're letting them free range so that what's going on is the the 10 girls and the rooster the main rooster mr. crow are all going into the coop at night and weirdo Houdini Clyde is going up his tree about 20 feet in the air. But in the morning, we've been letting him out because the, the goats completely compromised the yard anyway. And right. it's because of it's been so wet, it's really, there's nothing there's in nothing there. nothing in there for But them. then because it's, things are starting to bloom here. We're getting little plants. We're getting little flowers. We're getting greenery. So there's stuff. And there's with that comes bugs. So we're letting them free range. Um, but yeah, everybody's doing well. All the girls and Clyde, uh, not Clyde, Mr. Crow are going back in the coop at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Clyde gets some girl time. We're getting, yeah, Clyde's getting girl time. At least, as long as he sneaks it in. You need to tell the story that you saw earlier about the two roosters. Oh, so this was funny. So yeah, so this morning I uh, I got up and I go down to the coop and I open up the coop and I let him out. And then Mr. Crow comes out and all of his girls come out. And then they all start kind of running up towards the house and uh, stretching their legs and and there is Clyde, and Clyde takes advantage of the fact that there is a hen, uh, so he does his little mating dance right around her, and, and then he climbs on top, and he's doing his little rooster thing, and all of a sudden, Mr. Crow, who is a, he's older, and he's, he's bigger. I mean, he's, he's his he's, dad. He's, he's his dad, right. He's Clyde's dad. So he's, he's bigger than Clyde, just comes barreling up, and I swear if Mr. Crow was a football player, he just would have put his shoulder down and just boom, just blocked this kid, uh, and you Total know, and, and, and the rooster goes flying off of the hen, and then and you know, very indignant, uh, and and then had to you know go sulk away and try to find. Uh, yeah, I've seen him do that before, and he gets himself. He gets really low to the ground, and he kind of pulls his wings out from his body, and it makes himself look so much bigger. And he just he I've seen him totally knock 
Clyde over. I've seen Clyde take a tumble. And then he just was like, this is my girl. And he does his rooster thing. And everybody goes off their merry way. So Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to see. But He's, uh, he's good with his girls, though. You can hear he him is. talking to them and calling to them. And when he finds something tasty, he, he calls their attention to it. Yeah, he really does, and it's uh, it's really good. So, so yeah, so they've 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 adjusted, I think, uh, and everybody seems to be fairly copacetic here. So, and we get new egg colors. We do actually, yeah. So we've got the light we've, blue. We've always had light brown. brown and dark brown and medium brown and a pale blue. We have one Americana slash Buff Orpington girl who was actually born here. She's the only chick that managed to live this long, and she was five years old in October. So she has always laid a blue egg. Well, we got five more girls, and they're all kind of a variation of an Americana. And there's an olive egg and two other pale blue eggs. And then I think the other two are brown. Isn't it funny that we don't have a white I tried. I have actually tried (laughs) to buy white-laying chickens. And every single time I bought the chicks, they've died. So it must just be easier I guess. I don't know. I just find it funny. We have, like, every color egg that you could possibly have except Except for for white white egg. Yeah, so it makes Easter kind of difficult because it's kind of hard to to (laughs) dye those. You can't really dye them. You have to draw them with dark markers or something. Or I like to use the the Ukrainian ink because it's pretty dark. Yeah. Um, But you still don't get, like, if you tried to dye a dark, you don't, brown eggs are brown eggs. And you can use the light blue eggs, but they still throw all the colors off. We also had our barn cats transform and become indoor cats for a few days. Yes, only because of the necessi- the necessi- the necessi- necessity after the necessity? surgery. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, we have two female barn cats that came to us when somebody trapped 23 wild cats on their street. And we got two of the girls. But you know what happens when you have girl cats? Um, a boy, boy cat show right. up and we had a big big boy cat show up a couple of weeks ago and kind of hanging around and I was like hmm that looks a little suspicious and then the cats started doing that hey sailor thing with the dogs <laughs> like the right. dogs would come walk, come out for walks and the cats would see them and they would just drop to the deck and writhe around and I was just like you do know these are dogs and they're all fixed no one's going <laughs> to make you happy you weirdo cat so I realized it is time. So yeah. well, I think actually the last podcast that we did, it had we had just gotten them fixed because I remember talking about how they have to live for a while now because we've sunk right. some we, money into them so they yes. can't get eaten by you know coyotes or wild animals. So, so. We, we we brought them home. They were at the sir, they were at the vets all day. We trapped them the night before and put them in a dog crate in the house, mm-hmm. and uh, because they weren't supposed to eat after six o'clock anyway, so it made it easy. And um, then we I put them in a smaller crate in the morning and took them, and then they got fixed. Everything was fine. There were no problems. They were given pain pills, but I questioned this. Um, first off, I don't know how to give a cat a pill, and I don't know how to give a feral cat a pill who only just got a rabies shot. So there was no way I was giving a cat a pill. No, especially given your compromised immune system. Right. So yeah. I figured, too, that there's probably no sense in giving them pain medicine because we want them to get ungroggy as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, they seem to be doing... They, they, they've they're recovered. Doing great. They've, yeah, they've, they've totally, totally recovered. recovered. So, everybody's doing well, and they haven't gotten eating, eating anything by any... 
haven't gotten eaten by anything yet. <laughs> they have not gotten <laughs> eaten by anything yet, which is good. Um, garden stuff is uh, on the way. All of our seeds are officially ordered. We have. We got our... some today. Oh, did we? Yeah, we got everything but one from Johnny's. Okay. Something is on, a pepper is on back order. Okay. But we got everything else. What, we about, the, what about the rare seed company? Do we, we haven't get? gotten on yet. So, so. yeah, we, so we picked out some hot peppers because as it turns out, amazingly enough, we didn't have a lot of hot peppers to, uh, to plant this year. So we used Johnny's seeds and then Baker's Seed Company has like an offshoot called Rare Seeds. And we were looking just for some unique hot peppers. Uh, and I found one called a Fishtown pepper, which was a variety that was grown primarily in African-American neighborhoods in Philadelphia and down in Baltimore. That makes sense because there's a Fishtown in Philly. Yeah. So I remember you telling me about Fishtown yep. actually at one point in time. So it, this is kind of cool that it's, uh, it, and, and I think it's been saved through, basically through one family. If I recall the story correctly, there was basically like one guy who saved these seeds. Oh, cool. And has kept this variety of pepper alive. Oh, wow. That's right? neat. It is kind of neat. It's kind of like when we got American guinea hogs because there were only like 3,000 American guinea hogs left. And at one point in time, that was a really, really common breed of hog. Right. But because it's so fatty and the industry has you know switched over, you don't need as fatty a hog. There's really no reason for the American guinea hog. No. No reason. No. There's no reason. They're fun to have, and they're not that big, but they really are a fatty hog. They are fatty, fatty So hogs, I yeah. think the next time we get a hog... Which I'll might get be this year, right? One American guinea hog <laughs> and one, uh, like, a Tamworth Berkshire mix, uh, like we got with Hambone. Yeah. Because he was bigger and leaner and had more meat on him, and then... We could have better bacons and better hams from that, and well, then the other one we could use for sausage, okay, and lard. Okay, I guess that works. That that, that works for me. Yeah. All right. Does that mean we can get them this year? No, we still have meat to use up. <laughs> Not yet. Just asking. So anyway, so that'll be the uh, the plan over the next week or so is to uh, clear out the space where we're going to put our peppers. We're going to use our raised beds for just our tomatoes and our cucumbers and our carrots. So we've got a bunch of uh, compost and, and manure to put down in our raised garden beds. Give them a good mixy mix. Yeah, we really didn't do anything with our big garden space last year, so should it's, be fine. it should be okay. Yeah, we're just gonna roto till it. Got to clear it out and clean it up, yep. and then that'll be good to go. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that over the next week or so. It's it feels like spring is finally here at night. If we were doing this out on the porch, which we might do maybe at some point in the spring, you could probably hear the frogs croaking in the distance down yeah, by the creek. You could definitely hear the frogs. I, I, that's what I said coming in last night. I was like, oh, I totally know it's spring. I can hear the frogs. Cause when it's freezing cold or it's winter, right. they're, they're, they're nowhere to be found, but yeah. the frogs are out croaking every night. I'm like, okay, we're going to be fine. Yep. So yeah, I think spring is officially on its way. We're gonna have maybe a couple of nights where it gets you know near freezing, but well, technically it'll be here in a week. That's true. That's true. I mean, we've had snow after spring. We've had snow in April. Yeah. I remember having a blizzard when I was a kid. It was, uh, I think it was. I don't remember. It might have been my senior year, April eighty four or eighty three. Okay, that would have because I was year. still living in New Jersey. And we so... had feet yeah, of I snow that. at the beginning of April. I had, and they didn't call my number. And I actually oh, wow. walked halfway to school and some of the drifts were up to my thighs. And when I was a junior, I was 5'11". Yeah. Well, you were a junior and I was in third up, uh, grade. Yeah, don't even <laughs> that. People don't, it's a nine-year difference, but when you say it like that, it sounds 
absolutely horrible. We weren't, we weren't dating at we the had, time. It was okay. We had no idea. It's not like I was his teacher. <laughs> but I remember that because I was living in North Jersey. Just, you know, because I was only there for a couple of years. But I distinctly remember that snowfall because coming from Oklahoma, we got ice. We didn't get snow. Right. And I remember the snow was so high. We had the house that we lived in in North Jersey was built in 1907. I remember because it was built in the same year that Oklahoma became a state. I was enough of a history geek as a kid that I, <laughs> I, I remember that. That's cute. And it was an old, you know, two story house with a basement. It wasn't very big. Um, but my brother and I shared a room on the second story. And I remember the drifts were so high that it felt like I could jump out the second story window. Like I didn't, but I felt like I could, I would only be a couple of feet down. Do you remember the, the really deep snow we got when we lived in Northern Virginia and you could do that off our neighbor's deck? Yes, I do remember that. And the deck was like at least 12 feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. You could jump off the deck and land in snow. Yeah. When they came down and plowed our pipe stem, they put such giant piles of snow next to the houses that we were able to dig out igloos for the kids yeah. and then we built a tunnel system between her house and our house so that the kids could get through because they otherwise were toddlers they right, or little yeah. otherwise they couldn't get back and forth to the house yep. it was crazy how much snow we had it was so this is yeah this has been a uh, a, a wet winter but not a snowy winter and no. thankfully since the last podcast we really only had like one day of rain so yeah, just knock on wood now. knock on wood exactly and uh and i think that we're going to be okay with that so we've actually had blue skies sunny blue skies for the past two days it's know, been it's such been, weirdness to go outside and you're like what is this thing in the sky? Because like it's been so sixty-five degrees. It's, it's literally been, been raining since November. I know. I it know. feels it's like crazy. I, I have not gone down our hill to check on the septic drain field this week. I just want to let it dry out. I don't want to be a worry ward about it, so I'm just going to let it go just for a couple it, of weeks, yeah, and then I'll let it go. It'll be go fun. back down and check. So the fun thing that we're going to do this week, I'm really excited about this, and one of the reasons why. We're taping on a Wednesday night instead of on a Thursday when we normally would tape is that on Thursday night, uh, we are going to be in Richmond because I am taking Miss E to go see stand-up comedian. I don't I, know what his real name is because I only Fluffy. ever think of him as Fluffy. He's a, his, a very, uh, very, very I always want to say Enrique Hispanic. Iglesias, but that's not the right Iglesias. No, it's um, not. But it is Iglesias. It's, yeah. Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel, that, that's okay. That's who it is. Fluffy. Fluffy, Yes who is uh, coming to Richmond, Virginia, and I just thought that would be such a fun show to see. He is hysterically funny. And yeah, and he's clean. He's not yeah. necessarily, like, you know, mouthy like Richard Pryor was or racist like some of the comics are. He's just funny. He makes fun of everybody, and he's a big, fat dude, too. So right. He's and, a, and he makes a lot of, you know, he's also, he's got that... What's that self-effacing sense of humor? Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating. Yeah. Thank yes. you. And unlike Jim Gaffigan, he did not try to get me deplatformed off of uh, Apple TV. And uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So I like. I used to like Jim Gaffigan. I still find Jim Gaffigan funny, but Jim Gaffigan doesn't think that I have a right to uh, to talk into a microphone. So he he wants to silence people he doesn't agree with, and I think that's really crappy for somebody who makes a living talking into a microphone to try to silence others who. Make a living by talking into a microphone. Well, I saw a story today about some woman who was complaining about her son watching YouTube videos uh, with Ben Shapiro in them. And she wishes it. And she was talking to the woman who was in charge of YouTube, I think. And mm -hmm. she was she was like, she wants, she wanted to get, she wasn't saying it outright, but she wanted to get Ben Shapiro banned from YouTube. 
I mean, we're seeing more and more of this. You know, that's but, the. But he's not violating any problems. No. Just because he doesn't agree with his opinion doesn't mean there's, you know, that's I, just. She calls him a fool. Well, and, but that's the thing. Like, you know, you can't just ban people you think are foolish. So, one of the things that we're seeing actually now this week is. Um, uh, there's a big push on like Facebook and Amazon to get rid of on Facebook in a way like you know groups that are like anti-vaccination and Amazon to to try to pull a bunch of anti-vax books. And look, I, I get it. Like I think the anti-vaccination movement is crazy. I, I'm I'm not on board with it. But that's but not- the the thing that worries me is when you decide all of a sudden like okay this information is verboten. A it makes some people just want to seek it out even more. Well, once you because, censor something, right? Right, because then that attitude is, well, why don't they want me to read this, right? And so if you're conspiratorially minded, first of all, this does nothing to dispel you of the conspiracy theory that, you know, there are shadowy forces at work wanting to vaccinate your children, right? So I think it, I, I don't think it's helpful in that regard, but I also don't think it's helpful because it does provide a slippery slope. So this week it could be, well, you know, these anti-vaxxers are crazy and they're leading to you know, mumps and the measles returning. And then two weeks from now, it could be, oh, these climate change deniers, uh, they're, they're, you know, responsible for destroying the world, so we, we've got to ban them. It could be, oh, these gun owners, they're leading to a more violent society, therefore we've got to ban them. The stuff that you don't like, yeah. you can find an excuse why nobody should hear it. And that's, that's what worries me. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like, if you don't like it, then don't listen to it. But that's, shut up and stop uh, uh, complaining listen. about other people shouldn't be able to listen to it either because uh, everyone has an opinion just like their butthole. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Very gracious. And <laughs> I didn't say the right I know quote. You, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Your opinions are like buttholes. Uh-huh. Everybody has one. Let's let's uh, opinions. Uh, we're actually recording this on the anniversary of the uh, planet Uranus uh, being discovered. So let's just say opinions are like Uranus. Every solar system has one. There we go. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 that's the thing is that you know we're I, I joke about us being or not even not even this generation. I just we are living in the butthurt society oh, yeah. where, you know, everybody, and it doesn't matter where you fall on the political spectrum, chances are, you know, everybody's going to get offended by something. And you now see, like, everybody calling each other, everybody's snowflakes. And and it really is easy, I think, to fall into that, that outrage trap. I've started referring to Outrage Incorporated because there mm-hmm. is this, you know, outrage industrial complex that is just designed yeah. to get you outraged about something because you'll click you'll you'll interact you know and anger is the easiest emotion to stir and you want people if you're if you're media you want people to have an emotional reaction to what it is that you're saying because then they'll read it they'll share it and anger is the cheapest and easiest emotion to actually try to bring out in people oh no i don't know i don't know so i cry a lot of those videos where i'm not crying you're crying well okay so that's that's the other (laughs) thing And, and and i don't mind those as much but you're right like so you could really what are probably maybe the two most common, you know, shareable uh, 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 things on social media? It's the it's the it's the news stories that get you angry. It's the and political it's the, memes that poke fun of each other. And it's the, and it's the cute fluffy puppy things. It's the cute puppy fluffy things, or it's the shed a tear of, you know, oh my gosh, this you know. And I love these stories. I, I do too. I, I'm a sucker for them too. Yep. I, and I'm not complaining about them. No. But you know, 
if I see a video of a veteran who surprises their kids by coming home, right, and going to their school, like, I love those videos. And you can find dozens of them. Yes. And I will watch every single one of them. I know. I love those. I know. Um, and, and there's a reason why those get shared. Because, again, we have a very visceral, emotional response to those yeah. things. And it just makes it... And again, while I appreciate those types of stories, I think overall one of the things that this does is it does sort of change our our discourse where everything now, you know, Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, we're almost to the point now where feelings don't care about your facts. And it doesn't really matter what the facts are. Because oh, no, if, it doesn't if, matter. If you can manipulate somebody's feelings, then who cares about the facts, right? Yeah, well, you can manipulate some people's feelings by manipulating the facts, and that's what most of the people are doing. There's been another, yet another study came out proving, yet again, there is no direct correlation between autism and vaccinations, and yet people won't believe it. It's like somebody else is going to come up with their own other study. But these crazy sketchy people you know they're gonna find their own truths like you said they, they you go with your tribe you stick with your weird people but the problem is is that some of these groups they just like they incite each other into not doing good things right yeah oh yeah no i i definitely think there's 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 that there are you know you get into these sort of rage spirals and these back and forth yeah. you know and i mean you see this certainly to, to, to some degree, you see this in the gun control debate. Um, I think, frankly, you see more vitriol from gun control activists than you do from gun owners. I covered a story on Cam & Company this week out of Connecticut where a, uh, a, a uh, woman who is there uh, at the legislature in opposition or in support of a gun control bill was removed from this hearing because um, she was texting her daughter that she wanted to shoot this lawmaker and a bunch of NRA members. That's yes. what she and, and, and somebody and, saw this and alerted security, and then she got yeah. They took a screenshot here. over her shoulder. She was so stupid. Yeah, I mean, but you know, like I, I think that's crazy. Now, it, and it's it, hypocritical. Hello, you well, believe in gun control? Well, why would you go ahead and shoot people that you don't aren't even mad at, or, right? Or fighting against? Like, yeah. Now, having said that, um, so a couple of weeks ago. I guess on social media, I was talking about something, and the Virginia lead for Moms Demand Action uh, popped up on my Twitter feed and started talking to me and was being very nice. And she and I have now had we're now following each other. We've had a couple of ads of I wouldn't say conversation. We've had a couple of interactions. And there was one point where I said that you know, all of these gun control bills that we're seeing are designed to result in fewer legal gun owners. And she said, no, that's not the case. And I gave her a quote where somebody was saying it's about fewer legal gun owners. Uh, and it, it was, well, we'll have to agree to disagree. And that's fine. Wait, how can she disagree I, I, to a listen, direct quote? I'm not. But, but this, is the, this is the point, is that I'm okay having... Occasional interactions with somebody who's on the gun control side where it doesn't immediately, where I'm not immediately jumping on every, because you're right, but I chose not to jump on her for that. I think sometimes you, you actually, it's not about changing the other person's mind. It's about the people who are watching. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, first of all, that gun control activists love to talk about 
gun owners is how angry and unhinged we are. So, A, by me not, by me being hinged and unangry, I think that that eh. provides kind of a refutation. I don't know any unhinged, angry gun owners. All my gun owner friends are really friendly and have fun and have a good time going out and plinking and trying out different things. Well, I, I, yes, I know. Me too. I mean, because we know the, a lot of the same gun owners. But, you know, in terms of the... What the what the what the press tries to portray? Uh, how oh, the I press know. tries to portray all, guns? We're all a right. bunch of racist rednecks, right? We're all and, apparently and, from the Appalachians. Exactly. <laughs> so I do kind of like to uh, to confound, uh, you know, the, the the stereotypes and defy the stereotypes. So. Oh, I know. I always... And I also don't mind talking to people of the other side. What I what I do find interesting though is that very very few of them will reach out, and again, those that do really don't want to have an in-depth discussion about the issues. You know, I'm still waiting for that. And maybe one day it'll happen with this Virginia lead. I would love to actually have a serious sit-down conversation and say, okay, here, where are you coming from? Here's where I'm coming from. Even if we don't agree uh, at the end of the conversation. At least you'll learn something. I, I, yeah, because I, I do have some questions about, you know, like the big thing for me is, well, one of the big things for me is, to hear these uh, like members of Moms Demand Action say, "Well, I'm a gun owner and I support the Second Amendment. I'm just in favor of these, you know, blah 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 blah, blah common sense gun control laws." And yet, I never hear any of these people ever say, "Well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a gun owner. I'm a Second Amendment supporter. I'm in favor of these common sense gun control laws." But that one goes too far. Mm. Right, like I've never heard one of these oh, okay. these people say like, "Yeah, I want gun control, but not that gun control. That gun control is kind of crazy." No, no, they just seem to be in favor of whatever gun control law you know gets introduced here. And to me, that that kind of takes away from the whole "I'm a gun owner and I support the Second Amendment" thing. Well, when you've not never found a gun law that you that you don't think violates the Second Amendment, right? Well, then they're gonna choice themselves out of being a gun owner. I I, I suspect that that is correct in some cases, huh? Yeah. That's not very smart. No. So, anyway, I don't know where we got off on that little tangent, but uh, we got off on that little tangent. All right, so off on another tangent. I heard from our friend Julie Gunlock today. I just love her name. (laughs) Well, I love her. I know, she's awesome. Um, So she sent me a text, and sorry, Julie, I'm just going to relay this. Uh, So remember last week I was talking about being on Rob Sharkey's podcast, the Shark Farmer podcast. Yes. And so Rob is big in ag world. Okay. Um, and Julie is on what she described as an epic four city Canadian tour right now. She's giving speeches in four Canadian cities. Okay. And it's, it's very much an ag oriented audience that she's talking to. Okay. And apparently a lot of her audience has listened to the shark farmer podcast because we have a lot of fans in Canada. She says like people are coming up and talking about the podcast. So, Greetings to everybody in Canada, in Canada who's, who's listening. Who, whose podcast? Our podcast. Oh, wait. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, should it, we start saying A? And good day. <laughs> I think so. Maybe oh, well. We're, uh, maybe, oh, maybe next week? Mm. Maybe we could uh, uh, do the show while we're eating poutine. I, I, well, see, isn't that cultural appropriation if mm. I make poutine? I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. I think it's fine. We could probably be alright with that. I mean, my what other is, food is there that's, that is Canadian other than Canadian bacon? Hey there, Canada friends. Let us know. I'm not too sure what it is. Like Tim Bits, 
uh, which are from Tim Hortons. Those are like the little donut bites. They call them Tim Bits. But that's like a brand. Yeah. That's not a, a specific kind nope. of total food. Nope. Like the difference in Irish bacon, English bacon, and Canadian bacon. Right. I don't, so. I don't know. So, yeah, if any of our Canadian listeners wants to uh, want to tell us about Canadian cuisine, maybe we could do a special international edition of yeah, 40 Acres and a Fool. All I know is poutine and Canadian bacon. I mean, I'm really, like totally do you need to know loss. more than that? Well, it's like American food. Like, do we have American food? We have food that we have taken from everywhere else and have made it here to make it our own. Right. But I don't know. It's meat, meatloaf's American, right? Salisbury steak? Those um, weird ground beef uh, things, they all seem to be, but they're probably I mean, German. Like hamburgers from Hamburg. Right. Right. So. Hamburg steak. Salisbury steak, I think it's from Salzburg. Okay, so not American. Salzburger. We have I don't know. wieners here, which are also, we have a lot of meat products that are German. We do. Well. Well, sausages are from all over the world. Yeah. We have chorizo, and I'm going to go into like the whole Bubba Gump shrimp coming. Right, blah, blah, blah. No, no. We couldn't, because we'd run out. Oh, do we? There's a whole bunch of different Italian. kinds of Chinese sausages and all kinds of other places in the world that love to eat sausage that you would never know. I know. We have enough. <laughs> Bratwurst. I make at least, what, four? Knockwurst. Weisswurst. Sorry, I could just keep going. Yes, bologna, you do make at least four. Mortadella. German bologna. <laughs> Lebanon bologna. See, I really could keep going. <laughs> Okay, stop. I, I anyway, did, I found out there's a there's a there's an organization called the North American Meat Institute. Oh. Yes, and I want to be a fellow. <laughs> how does one? I don't know how one becomes a fellow. I think but the I fact that I polished a off fellow. a 16 ounce cowboy cut ribeye rib in you one sitting, I should be an honorary the, member of the Meat People. You should be a senior fellow of the Meat Institute. They're at Meat Institute on Twitter. I have tweeted at them kind of vaguely in my tweet where I said I want to be a fellow. So I'm hoping that they'll reach out to me. Otherwise, I might just have to reach out to them and say, <laughs> how do I, get I, them? I, I would like to apply for, for <laughs> some sort of position here with your fine establishment. Because I want to be part of the Meat. We love meat. We like meat, and we're big fans of meat. And we, we are, are big fans of meat. We are meat evangelicals, right? We're we pretty evangelical when it comes to meat eating. Yeah, I think so. We have meat. It's bad because I grew up with this way. But I grew up, you know, I'm 53. When you grew up eating to the rainbow, first off, your plate had to contain different colors. But there was always a meat, there was always a vegetable, and there was always a starch. And I kind of do that, but I try not to do it all the time. And when I do my, you know, cultural appropriation thing, we always branch out and have, like, Shrimp with lobster sauce in rice yeah. and butter chicken with rice. Oh, speaking of that. Spaghetti and meat sauce kind of thing. So we were talking about food that tastes delicious. But looks gross. But looks gross. Like and the I, hashtag could be barf. Yes. And I had uh, I had tweeted this out with a link to our podcast and, uh, and, and received several uh, responses from people with their own uh, list of, of food that looks gross but tastes good. So okay. among them... We had um, cream chip beef on toast. Yeah, it's not very attractive. It's not. Uh, sausage, gravy, biscuits and gravy. I think biscuits and gravy look worse than cream chip beef on toast, personally. Yeah, because the gravy's, the sausage is kind of grayish brown in a, and it's lumps. So it looks like you chewed something up and you... But it's good. Could be barf. It, it, yeah, could be. Uh, somebody had a uh, tater tot casserole. Uh, which I said it was. They're basically talking about being like tater tots and cheese. I was like, well, that sounds pretty well, good. And they like said, but then when you scoop it up and you write and you yeah. turn it upside down, he said, then it's not. Uh-uh. Yeah. Like, All right. 
Um, I think we had some goulash was uh, was in there. I, I can see that because goulash is just brown meat and brown gravy. Yeah. With chunks of, sometimes there's mushrooms, but everything's brown. Right. So it's, again, not very photogenic. Yeah, that, that is something, like when it's just one color. That's kind of what, well, butter chicken. Right. The shrimp, all of those are kind of all. But it can't just be one color. There's there, there are a couple of things that have to happen. So Liquid. Yes, exactly. It has to be a fluid form. Yep. One color, and there has to be some sort of liquid. Fluidity. Yep. And I think those two things are the magic ingredients to make something look gross. Now, it doesn't automatically mean it's going to taste good if you've got something that's one color and it's got some liquid. It can still look gross and taste, and taste gross. gross. But, yeah. but, it, but, it, but if you've got those two things, yeah, yeah you're, uh, you're well on your way to uh, looks disgusting and taste delicious. All right, speaking of, let's get to uh, a couple of uh, emails. Brian, actually talking about lobster sauce, says it's made for lobster not of lobster, kind of like salad dressing or baby food. So we actually went digging and we went looking for the, for this to find oh. out what the deal was with shrimp. Because it's shrimp. And I used to think it was shrimp and lobster sauce. Well, that's what the recipe title says. Shrimp in lobster sauce, I believe, is what Well, again, it's not it lobster sauce, be. it's pork. So it, originally this had lobster in it. Okay. And then it was substituted. The shrimp was substituted. For the lobster. So it was called lobster sauce, but now it's shrimp in lobster sauce. I think is So the, the sauce deal. was used to be for lobster. Yeah. But now it's the shrimp now is it's in for the shrimp. lobster sauce. Yeah. And you didn't see my air quotes. Air but quotes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's oh, how that happened. Okay. Um also uh, had an email from Chris. Still really misleading. It it, it, it is. It's confusing. <laughs> I, I very confusing. I won't deny it. Uh, Chris says, been catching up on some podcasts, have a few comments to share. My wife and I homeschooled our kids, and over the years, she made a point of collecting all the classic children's books that our local libraries were throwing out. Among the old library books we have read aloud to our kids are Danny Dunn, Scientific <laughs> Detective, and Danny Dunn in the Fossil Cave. Yes! There you go. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad I know I'm not the only one who remembers Danny Dunn. Did you find any three investigators books from the library? That's the... It's age specific, like you said. Where I'm nine years older than you, and I'm, I never. It came out in the '60s, though. That's the thing. Well, I guess it's a boy book. It was a boy book. I read Nancy I think it was, Drew. I think it was a boy book. There, although there, he did have a a pal uh, who was female. Oh, she was probably like the sidekick. She was like who the sidekick. Well, probably wasn't very smart. No, no, she was much. actually the really smart one. She oh. was actually the most talented of the three. There oh. was Danny. Who was very smart, but was very headstrong and impulsive, and would always get them into trouble. Okay. Then there was Irene. I just remembered that, who was the smart and athletic uh, and very tall and, and attractive girl as well. And then there was, like, the doofus kid. There's always a like, doofus Like, in, in the this, Wonder yeah. Years, this would have been the Paul character, okay. right? Um, and I can't remember what, what, what that kid's name was. So, anyway. you. <laughs> right? It's amazing what your brain coughs up and still remembers after all these years. So, what about the other books, though? The, uh, the Three Investigators? The, no, 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 no. The other series you like, the one about the mole. Adrian Mole? Yeah. I read was that, that as that an same adult. Age? Oh, is it, oh, that was an adult yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, okay. it, I think it probably was a tween book, but I read it as an adult. Okay. So it's this, it was, it's this British uh, series called Adrian Mole, and it was like the di- Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. Yeah, we got like a box like a 13 set of it. Old, right? and it's yeah. really funny. Uh, you can actually, you know, look back. You can read it as an adult, and you can, you can laugh at the 
you know, because it captures the adolescent angst very, very, very well. Oh, okay. Um, But it is also very, very, very British. So if you like British humor uh, and you like, you know, making fun of adolescent angst, the Adrian Mould books are pretty good. I wonder if that'll fill up square in my distracted readers book club thing. I'm sure that it will. Somewhere. Uh, Chris says, really enjoy the past tense current events episodes. Please keep them coming. Several of those books are now in my Amazon cart. That is awesome. Uh, And I will keep that coming. Look at you. You're an influencer. Wow. How (gasps) about that? I'm actually trying to figure out what uh, what the next uh, past tense current events book is going to be. I've got a couple of couple of options that I'm considering here. So we'll we'll be uh, checking that out and, and probably doing a new one in the next week or so. Um, Chris says, I second the recommendation of the Econ Talk podcast. I also highly recommend the Institute for Justice's Bound by Oath podcast on the 14th Amendment, four episodes so far. Uh, IJ is trying to resurrect the Privileges or Immunities Clause. Seriously, says Chris, you'll find it very educational and interesting. Okay, I'm not going to get off into a whole uh, little discourse here, but... Uh, that's actually one of those things that I could probably talk about for like an hour and a half, the Privileges and Immunities Clause versus the Due Process Clause, and I won't. Yeah, because <laughs> you're already making me go, but, what? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to that podcast. Uh, Chrissy says, Miss E, hmm. I'm sure your day-to-day roller coaster ride requires much more courage and inner strength than any of us listeners can truly appreciate. Thanks for showing us how to keep bouncing back with grit, dignity, and humor. Oh, it's not all that bad. But thank you very much. And uh, Chris says, finally, I think both of your auditions for the upcoming reality show, The Osbournes Move to Green Acres, <laughs> are, going, <laughs> are going really well. However, although I know skin in the game is generally good, a little less finger smashing would be okay. <laughs> I did it again. The same finger. I went, this was when I was trying to wash the dishes. I reached in the sink and I hit my finger on the blade from the food processor. I need to quit leaving knives in the sink. Yowch. Yeah, it hurt. Um, James writing in says, Cam, thanks for your podcast on the 1971 book Gun Control. It was almost like the legacy version of Cam and Company. You actually have time to develop an idea. Great job. Uh, truly nothing is new under the sun in the gun control world. Looking forward to having Missy back in your next one. So congratulations, James. You've got your wish. Uh, and, and thank you again. This was really a, a fun uh, a, a fun past tense current events to do. And I might actually go back because there's i got to tell you, this book, Gun Control, which came out in 1971 by uh, James Kukla, who was an attorney in Illinois. He was on the Illinois State Rifle Association board. He eventually became a member of the NRA's board of directors. And this book is its just chock full of congressional testimony throughout the 1960s uh, as the push for gun control began in earnest after the assassination of John F. Kennedy and continued on through you know 1968, five years later, when... Uh, Robert F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King are assassinated within like weeks of one another. And it really is amazing how little some things have changed, how the NRA was tarred as the gun lobby, uh, even though they did not even have a lobbying arm at that point in time. There was actually a a gun control group uh, formed a a, a lobbying organization before the NRA had a lobbying organization. Huh. Right? And even back then, now you read these news articles and it's all about, you know, the NRA is so extreme, but back in the day, they used to be moderate, right? And as it turns out, back in the day, they were calling NRA extremists and gun owners were, you know, the the, the amosexual or whatever the 1960s version of it was. Like, this has, the the game plan and the strategy really has not changed at all. So uh, if you are a Second Amendment supporter and you do like your history, uh, go back and check out past tense, current events, 
as we check out gun control. And again, I may go back and revisit that book because there is a lot that I had to leave on the table. I didn't want that to be like a two and a half hour podcast. Um, and finally, Greg, writing in from uh, Simplicity Llamas down in North Carolina, says, uh, I've been following you for quite a while. I can definitely remember you working with raised flower beds. I just don't have the patience. Just have a llama. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Greg says, thank you for going through the book, The Desegregated Heart. That was astounding. I'm looking for a copy on eBay or Amazon. Um, that it really is an astounding book. It really was. And, and don't forget, like some of these used books are going to be out of print. Um, and, and you can there are a couple of different used book sites as well. There's biblio.com. Uh, Abe Books, that's A-B-E Books. Isn't that where you got your copy? Yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite stomping ground for yeah. used books. Um, and, and a lot of these you can find, you know, just you don't need them in, in, in mint condition. If you don't them. care if it's an old library book, you can get these books for like 2 or $3. Yeah. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, you can, you can probably find a copy there, Greg. Greg says, thanks for the heads up. Aren't you glad it's getting a little warmer? Yes. I'm awfully glad it is getting a little warmer. I don't. I'm not a temperature person as much as I'm a wet and gray person. Like, like I said, you're happy to see the sun. Feels like it's been raining since November, and up until last week, it felt like it was like January 127th. It was like, will this winter ever end? And now we see the daffodils are blooming. We've got those little white mm-hmm. flowers that are coming up in the grass. We start seeing the wild onions and the garlic in the yard because those are the fastest green things. We don't have a grass yard. No. We have mm-hmm. some weeds and grass. Like, I don't even know. Our yard is green. Yes. There's a lot of green. But it is but not it's a not lawn. Grass. It's, a, it's a yard. It's, it's a yard. not a lawn. Yeah, no, it's not a lawn. Um, I think our neighbors from our old neighborhood would be appalled at how <laughs> little actual grass is in our yard. But it's lush and it's green. And between the chicken poop and the goat poop, it gets fertilized all the time. So it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, between the goat poop and the chicken poop and the uh, bags of manure coming, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to have a lot of poop around. Flush in bleep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well on that note <clears throat> we'll uh, leave you flush and bleep uh, <laughs> by asking you to come back the next time we do this that's right so hopefully that uh, you you have a wonderful week we will uh join you again we've got uh, chemo next week so we'll do another podcast before that happens and you start feeling crummy yeah or uh, that night or that night it's a it's a 24 hour they pump me so full of um, steroids and anti-nausea drugs and Benadryl and um, saline that for like the first 24 hours I feel fine it's like the next so the 48 of, yeah. to 72 hours that I feel like I just got run over by a truck and I everything tastes like cat litter oh. yeah alright well we're gonna we're gonna make sure that the, the week ahead uh, is a good week. Well, for we you. got fluffy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You got fun this weekend with the boys. I yep. got fun this weekend with the girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to be a great couple of days. It is going to be a great couple of days, and I hope that it's a great couple of days for you as well. Um, I, I do want to just uh, shout out to a couple of folks uh, who I know are listening, and uh, just say congratulations to our friend Hope in Texas, who got some. Good news, uh, medically speaking, this week. I was really, really glad to see that. Yay. Um, Mike in Michigan, we're still thinking of you and your lovely bride, and I hope that uh, she is doing well. Uh, give us an email. Uh, just send us a line at uh, 40acrefool at gmail.com. If you want to send us some snail mail, the address is P.O. Box 
Farmville, Virginia, 23901-0817. On social media, you can catch up with me primarily on Twitter at Cam Edwards, Miss E primarily on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm, but you can also find us on Facebook at Corny Goat Farm when and Facebook is actually up and running, and Cam Edwards as well. Is Facebook not running now? It was uh, it was down for most of the day today. I was on it. Oh, well, aren't you special? Apparently Facebook and Instagram are both down today. It was just, oh, you know what? Mm. It was this morning I was on Facebook, and then I was just like, meh, this is boring. I check on my news, uh, and then I check on Facebook, and, yeah. and then I didn't do it all day long. But I have been trying to post my knitting to Instagram <laughs> and everyone else's posts are going up, but I'm getting pe- people's posts, but I'm like, gosh darn it, I'm making progress on these mittens that I want to post it. Well, hopefully by the time this podcast goes live, Instagram will be fixed and, uh, and you can see the latest progress. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And make something. And we'll talk to you soon with another... and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network